Hello and welcome to the Canna Sewers Quadcast Podcast. I am Mayhem. And I am Professor X. Today's show is sponsored by Designer Dank, cannabis connoisseur's best friend, giving the people quality cannabis products for all their medical and pleasurable needs. Pre-rolls, premium flour, uh, salves, and the list just goes on. You gotta check them out on Instagram at designerdank.ca and their extended website at www.designerdank.ca. So, first things first. Oh, we're going to get high? <laughs> that brings us to our first segment. Mm-hmm. What are we smoking today, Professor X? Today we are, we've actually just lit it up. It is a uh, designer dank pre-roll, uh, what they call the Canaret or the pre-roll 2.0. This is in a, uh, an OCB cigarette-style paper. It's got a synthetic filter on it. I was going to say that. I didn't notice no cardboard on the end. No cardboard in the filter. It actually, uh, you can really taste the weed. The weed, it's a super pink that's in here. It's uh, 0.75 grams per pre-roll. Great for, like, two people. They actually even have a little bubbler you can stick these pre-rolls in. It's like a mini bong. Oh, I've seen that. I've seen that. Yeah. Like a little water pipe. mm -hmm. And we did did weigh this... uh, at yeah, the beginning of the show, and it does weigh in at 0.74. Yeah, po- just under 0.74 flour. We uh, we we ended up getting a hold of a uh, empty filter and uh, empty filter and paper, and we tore tore the weight uh, and got an exact measurement. So it was pretty much within 0.1 of what they're what they're advertising. Close to it, yeah. Yeah, but uh, very tasty. This is delicious. Definitely and very what did tasty. You say this, was? Super pink? this was a super pink, uh, super pink strain. It was a 90% indica. Uh, 25% um, sorry, 25% uh, THC and uh, yeah, it's kind of cool, it's got a resealable package but I don't see too many people putting it out and smoking it for later it <laughs> seems oh. to be uh, pretty uh, pretty tasty I'll be honest, that does really really uh, taste pretty good absolutely, very impressed so uh, yeah, end of the story of that one that's, right. uh, that's, oh. the, that's the proper stuff right there Whoa, <laughs> that brings us to the Canna News today. Mm-hmm. That's so a crazy oh, cannabis news sound. <laughs> wow, <laughs> the fighting Irish have hit the cannabis news today. Yes. Uh, well, not today. Uh, this is a couple of days old November story. 28th, says yeah. here, November 28th. But <laughs> history in the making, <coughs> Over an over 40-year-old law has yes. been changed or yeah. in the process <coughs> of being changed. Pardon me, so, um, yeah, that super pink's hitting hard. So, uh, our source for this one is Forbes magazine, and this was out on November 28th. So, Ireland aims to legalize cannabis for personal use. So, uh, I guess the existing law is uh, just like uh, Mayhem was saying, has been in place for about 42 years and uh, basically uh, carried no tolerance for any kind of cannabis, whether it be medical or uh, personal use. But, uh, 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 one of the uh, MPs from the People Before Profit Party in the uh, Ireland Parliament are uh, looking to legalize adult slash personal use of cannabis. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. Does this affect uh, legal patients? Uh, apparently, legal medical patients out there. Well, in the legal patients in Ireland, as opposed to our setup, uh, they don't deal with how we have like a Health Canada. They have the Ministry of Health. So. Uh, 
patients there are very, very skeptically and very rarely given uh, medical exemptions for cannabis. And that isn't even changing in this bill. This bill is not even proposing that you can grow your own medical cannabis, that you can, uh, you know, uh, uh, purchase it from a different open market. Uh, I read the numbers. Yeah. uh, What they're allowed to carry. Yeah. Seven grams of flour and only two grams of hash? That's right. Two and a half grams of concentrate. I'm assuming concentrate, but it probably does say hash in the article. Um, And uh, seven grams of flour, yeah, which basically all they're saying is they're decriminalizing it. You can still get in trouble for buying it. You can still get in trouble for selling it. You can still get in trouble for growing it. But if you if you haven't got caught doing any of those three things and you're walking around with seven grams, you're okay. You're That's good. basically you're what they're go. telling you. So it's baby steps, I guess, after 42 years of uh, zero tolerance for cannabis. Yeah. I, I mean, see that's a step forward for them. Huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Do you think this is going to be a growing trend in other countries as well? Yeah. Well, apparently Malta, which is part of the European Union with Ireland there, legalized personal use cannabis in 2021, and they had just as strict as a policy. Um, so, I mean, really, this is more like the European side of the world because we know that uh, the Asian continents aren't uh, anywhere near that yet. Is it Thailand? Thailand, uh, yeah. Thailand just... Open just, markets now? Just recently. Just in the last, I'd say, two or three weeks, they, uh, they open markets out there. And there's, there's, legal, um, there's legal government-based stores, but it is pretty much free reign. They've, they've decriminalized and, and de- I mean, they decriminalized it. So You can't chew gum. Well, you can't spit gum out in the road, yeah. <laughs> but you can smoke pot now. That's that correct. is big steps for uh, for Thailand there well, too as well. I mean, obviously, they're, they're, and I believe that the whole incentive that the uh, political party was pushing was the fact that there was a lot of money that they were not making. There's a lot of tourism coming into Thailand and a lot of tourism they were missing out on yeah. because of the severe penalties. And you think that the crazy drugs you can get in Thailand <laughs> so easily, the craziest, craziest <laughs> drugs you can get in Thailand. I know a friend of mine was telling oh, me about. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> a friend of mine was telling me about like things that they had out called the full moon parties, where they literally drink like a kid's like a, like a child's sand bucket full of like alcohol and this type of cough syrup and this other like native something that's native to this island. Like it's this thing that gets you ripped for it's almost like liquid peyote. Wow. And that's like the, you, anyone can get that. Getting off a tour bus in Thailand, you can get that. But cannabis, that you would get caned in the street for having cannabis. <laughs> so uh, it's funny. I'm glad to see that there is a big difference now and, and, and an uptaking in, in responsibility for cannabis as well. People aren't uh, demonizing it to be what it is while existing demons are actually out there doing a lot more damage than cannabis ever did. So as Canadians, we were, uh, we were the forefathers of pushing this cannabis into the legal market. Well... And the U.S. Not so much. I mean, well, we were, we were, we were maybe like the first five or six people in line. But I mean, Colorado, you know, in the states, they already kind of uh, they opened that legal market well before uh, Trudeau uh, Trudeau got elected by using that promise. Um, And then, you know, obviously, the only thing really that got regulated in Canada was uh, uh, how many how many dollars do we get out of each gram federally and provincially? And that was the only thing, the only thing up for discussion, the only topic they really discussed. Uh, you know, the next thing you know, there was yeah, a lottery. Money aspect. <laughs> yeah. Money aspect. Which is fine. Money. But, I mean, there was a functioning system in Colorado that, that the government was able to give. The, the government gained a surplus, a surplus of tax to the point where they can actually pay back each individual citizen, each taxpayer, a rebate. Where, I mean... 
to me, that's a very successful system, especially for a year, running for a year to <coughs> do that. And here we are. You know, you got people like what we're going to discuss in a bit, people that have spent so much money in Canada doing things the legal way and the right way, quote unquote, and the government has completely let them down. Uh, and yeah. uh, pretty much they're eliminating that problem. Uh, they're eliminating the the the, the issue of uh, too many stores by making sure not so many can survive in general. Yeah, well, that's pretty sad coming uh, from a Canadian standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. But let's hope uh, more positive news out there for other countries that are battling this cannabis law, <laughs> making it look like it's a villain. Progress, man, progress. Progress in the cannabis industry is good. That's what I'd like to hear and like to see. Absolutely. Which uh, brings us to topic number two. Um, kind of sad and funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, sad and funny at the same time. I mean, yeah. we were we were all part of it, you know, so... Uh, uh, it is what it is, but uh, when I read this number, it uh, it took me back a bit. Yeah, uh, Canadians lose a hundred and thirty-one billion, not yeah. million, billion, billion dollars, dollars to the cannabis companies and the industry itself. Yeah, and that's like uh, I mean they're saying that this is pretty much all on the legal side of things. So this is um, a projected number of 131 billion amongst, I believe it was 180 roughly investors. I can't find that number exactly, but long story short, it worked out to about an average of $43,000 per Canadian who invested in the cannabis industry in the last year. That's a staggering number, Uh, especially to think, I mean, these promises that they were made, you know, like we were just discussing, you know, uh, they came out of the gate with a really sour plan. You know, you had Ford first introduce the uh, the lottery system, and then that kind of seemed like it, it was going to work. It was working. Kind of seemed fair, but then people were just kind of, you know, whoever can afford more lottery tickets, I guess, you know, got that lottery. It wasn't an astronomical. Uh, that and whoever you know, uh, benefited the government getting Yeah, ultimately. Their, I mean, I'm sure that there was a lot, a lot of, of kickbacks for people. I'm sure there was a lot of sure. uh, blindfolded uh, blindfolded picks coming out of that bag of uh, random people, uh, much like, you know, like uh, street contracts to, to clean the streets and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure aren't so random either. But uh, Well, the article we took this, uh, took this out of, uh, a, a gentleman pretty much put his entire life savings into a legal dispensary. He went went through all the right... Oh, yeah. All the right hoops Got all the licenses, spent uh, approximately 280K. Up to this point, 280K, he was saying, yeah. And he's closing his doors. He can't compete with the legacy markets that are out there. Or according to uh, the news, black market. Yeah, quote-unquote black market. Black market. It it is legacy market. I like that term because... You know, there, there's nothing, there's nothing black or any color about a market. You know, and I mean, like, you know, obviously they're referring to black as in the underground, as in the seedy, bad, underground version of of a real market that they apparently have. Like, I mean, if you think about seedy and underground, and so-called black, to me, the OCS is the real black market. I mean. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. I agree. They they shake you down when you go in there because when you want some weed from the OCS, when you go in there, they say, "All right, cool. Here's what it is. Take my word for it. Give me your money." And when you give them their money, or your money, sorry, they give you a black bag that they tell you, "Okay, yeah, here it is. Now this is yours. You own it, but you can't open it in the store." 
So you got to get out of the store and open it. You know what I mean? So you leave the store, you open it, you smell it, and you sure as heck ain't smoking it there. You sure as hell ain't smoking it out front of the door. So now you got to go and mosey along and find yourself a spot to smoke it only half an hour later to realize it's either moldy or it's terrible or it's super dry or you just spent, you know, $15 a gram on the worst bud you've ever smoked in your life. Well, we've been winners of uh, moldy uh, weed before. Yeah, and that's part of our, our, of our research and development, you know. Uh, <laughs> me, me and Mayhem go out there to a couple of these... Uh, couple of these gross store not gross store sorry a couple of these uh ocs like legal locations and we ask them plainly hey give us uh give us a pack of your most popular pre-rolls and give us uh you know a half quarter to a quarter whatever the most popular flower you're selling and i mean like whatever your top seller is and uh yeah i mean like you know four out of five times it's pretty bad i mean this one time we did recently grab some and uh the bud, plain, plain and simple, was moldy. So moldy, it was unsmokable. And, uh, I mean, any mold is unsmokable, but this was, like, just really bad. You open the bag and, like, you and smell they, moldy. they smoke. ranted and raved. Oh, yeah, this. these guys, you know, who, who to me personally look like they have, they don't, they look like more like drinkers than smokers, you know. And, uh, yeah, they were convincing us that, you know, this was, like, Oh, it's premium, you know, like this grower is this and that. I mean, I, like as if they know the grower. I mean, they get a black bag just like we do. They, they don't see the weed. No. They don't package the weed. They there. sounded like uh, used car salesmen to me. Yeah, it's like, saying, it's like saying they get a special cho- choice of the kind of cigarettes you got in your pack. You know, yeah. <laughs> like it showed up in the car. <laughs> that's, that's how it is. But, so, um, but yeah, that's, that's basically our experience. So I'm assuming that's many. And that's, I mean... Maybe because we're spoiled, maybe because we're growers, maybe because we grew up, you know, within this market, within the legacy market, within, you know, actual growers in a grower's community, uh, people that were proud of their cannabis, people that took pride in their cannabis, they loved to trade it with each other. And, you know, there was, there was a really big push for bringing the best to the table back then. But obviously, the way things have gone to this point, obviously it is more a money maker, and it's always yeah, been. Don't get that's me wrong. the biggest problem right there. But people are so misinformed about like the kind of money you can make on it. It's very rare that these days you're making the kind of money like, and that's what the legalization was made to do. Uh, the legalization was made to eliminate a lot of the legacy markets, a lot of the existing cannabis people that were out there. Unfortunately, it backfired because the legacy markets are doing a lot better. And the people that are investing hard-earned money are going bankrupt. It was like a design-to-fail plan for, for the legal aspect of well, it. Well, look, as we talk about this article, which, by the way, was in CTV News. This was on November 17th. This uh, this gentleman here who opened the $280,000 loss uh, of a OCS store was set up not too far from a little place we know called Cafe, mm-hmm. which is known all through the city. Um, well known. Yeah, well, it's a well. legacy spot as well. Um, and they, you know, uh, they have been raided so many times. They've been ran into so many times. Uh, there's a lot of history to that place, which we won't go into out of respect to them. And um, long story short, uh, they, you know, shut this guy down, long, you know, for the sake of their obviously... They had, you know, when when a store, three two stores, <coughs> take, take Legacy and OCS and everything out of it, two shoe stores three doors down from each other. One of them is only allowed to sell a certain amount of shoes at a certain price. And the other one gets to purchase shoes from the manufacturers and gets to delegate price based on supply and demand. Yeah. 
that guy is going to have a better chance of staying in business than the person that is basically handcuffed into paying this price for this product, having to sell it for this price. You got to sell paper shoes in the rain while this mm. guy's selling rubber boots. Exactly. Exactly. It's, 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 it's unfair. And like the whole, the majority of legislation, the majority of the issues that are going on is that, uh, you know, a lot of cannabis producers and, I mean, not just cannabis producers, but like a lot of these OCS stores, anyone in the illegal cannabis industry in Canada is complaining and saying that it's, it's terribly mismanaged. There, there is no, there is no real money in it that was promised by the Ford government and by uh, Justin Trudeau and his government. Uh, there's no support. There's no. Uh, there's no. You know, effort to to remove the stigmatization of the market to, uh, of cannabis in general. There's zero marketing allowed for any of the licensed producers. You can't even give. You can't even give your customer an info sheet. No. On what the cannabis does, what its medicinal benefits are, you can't even do that. Like that's crazy to me. They put so many handcuffs on these people, and like you know, it took them close to 30 years to stop 40 years even to stop like alcohol companies from directly advertising to children which they still do till this day yeah, you it's know everywhere. uh alcohol companies are consistently advertising cigarette companies for the longest time were consistently advertising with cartoon characters and all these types of things and and then they finally like you know got they got their up and comings i guess but but the cannabis from the get-go, I mean, never got a chance to market a single thing. You go into a store, you buy a black, you know, completely solid black-colored bag or solid black-colored plastic jar, and inside of it is what you are told what you just bought. And it's non-refundable. You can't return it. As opposed to you go to your homie's place and say, hey, man, what kind of bud you got? And he opens up a couple of bags, and you smell them, and you like one. You say, here, let's smoke one together, you know, and you try a little one paper out. You know whether or not you like it. <laughs> I mean, if cannabis was set up more that way, kind of like in Amsterdam where it's a cafe where you can come in and sample the product, sit down, I mean, that goes to show you that you have total pride in your product. Like, I would want someone to be able to, to buy a product from me and sit down in front of me and smoke it. I'm not ashamed for them to do that. So considering it was designed to be a money-making scam, it's actually backfiring on them. It's not oh, making he, them the money that hey, they Hey, guess they what? It, it is a money-making scam. It is, just not for the right people. Exactly. It's a money-making scam for the government. The government wins whether you fail, whether you go bankrupt, whether yeah. whatever. The government got their $10,000 for registration and $15,000 for security finance, and they got their, you know, they got their proof that you had $2,000 liquid available in the bank at any time. They got what they got already. Whether you're in business, whether you make money, whether you lose... The government off the get-go took their cut. And that's yeah. where Ford and Trudeau, you know, really, really gave the screws to all these people, these people that we're talking about right now that lost an average of 43 grand each um, because he didn't, like, give any support to them. He just made it seem like, all right, yeah, you know, you can't lose. Drop the 200 grand. A great investment, you know, and I'm yeah. sure it was in the get-go, but. And in the same article, uh, the, a the ACMPR, are under mm -hmm. under investigation. They're gonna have to tighten their belts. Well, because giving of that, yeah. licensing, and obviously that's the government not uh, appreciating that someone's making money on the side. Well, here this is where this is where the issue is. So the government once again is paying attention to what they're losing money on, not what the OCS people are. The OCS crowd, the OCS investors, they're not losing money because there are people that are abusing the air, they, their ACMPR licenses and selling weed to the black market. 
they're not losing business because of that. They're losing business because they don't have support from the government directly because the government is not ensuring they're getting good product. Exactly. And they're not getting it at a good price and they're not getting a good chance to sell it at a good price because their overheads are ridiculously high and the government gives no support to them. So if the government actually did want the OCS stores to compete with the black market, with the legacy market, markets, they would provide them with the same or better quality flour at the same or better prices so that they can properly compete. And then that's the only way you really shut it down. There's no other way to shut them down. If you really want to shut down the legacy market, if you really want to compete with the legacy market, you have to step up to the plate and offer the same products, the same pricing. I mean, people demand a certain quality. When you go to your friend's fellow, you go to your, yeah, I say friend, because it is a friend. Usually it's someone who you're buying cannabis from in the legacy market. It's someone you know or someone you've met through. They're not going to steer you wrong. No, they they want you to come back. They're not interested. I mean, just like most of them, you know, if you're stopping out, if you're out in like Philly and you stop on a corner where the streetlights are blinking, you know, and you stop and you grab a 10-piece off someone on the road, well, I'm pretty sure it could be a piece of grass could be anything but if you got the same guy you've been grabbing off for i don't know how long like more than six months and he doesn't steer you wrong well it's in his best or her best interest not to give you, you and, know, something and, that's going to send you in to all the fairness OCS before uh, legalization of pot the dispensaries in toronto you were able to actually see the weed you were purchasing you were actually yeah. able to smell it touch it yeah the, the so-called illegal slash you know, legacy stores that initially opened in the city. I mean, there were jars open there. You were able to smell them, yeah, sometimes even touch mind. them. Yeah. You know, this is all, you know, pre-COVID, but uh, you were able to at least see. I mean, that's that's how everything else is in the world. You know, if you think about it, there's not that many things that you pay for sight unseen. Exactly. Uh, even on the smallest amounts, even if you're buying a gram of cannabis, you want to at least know what you're getting. Like, like I said, we... We just spent, you know, close to eighty dollars on a uh, or a hundred dollars on on a, on a half quarter of weed and uh, and flour and uh, and four pre rolls, and the pre rolls were like, you know, subpar. They weren't terrible. They did burn. They you burned. Know, they weren't, you know. We had to. We had to. They weren't moldy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. We did have to repack them, and they did shrink to half their size. And the filter pretty much was the same length as the as, as the, the flour in yeah. the joint, but very dry. I digress. Uh, what came down to the flower was the second you open the bag, you just got a giant whiff of mold. And I mean, like, for, for them to have, I mean, they're pushing this. We could have got any of the 30 or 40 package strains they had, but they were very adamant that we try this super high-end strain. This guy also um, had known me from being involved in a grow store not too far from him. So he knew I'm in the industry, and he knew that I'm a grower. So, I mean... I don't think by any means he knew what he was giving me. I think no. that he, once again, was fed the line from the licensed producer about how amazing this product is. That only, oh, you got to give this to the top, top. I mean, like, he's just regurgitating what he's been told. But I will guarantee you neither of them ever smoked or opened one of those bags in the store. I don't think so. You know, so. Once again, you know, it's like buying, buying something from someone that has no idea what they're talking about. But let's cut this topic Let's cut this topic and on to the next one. Yes. Uh, this is going to be an in-house topic, I guess. This is not news or anything like that. This is an, what we call an in-house topic. <laughs> it's so in-house that I'm going to turn around right now. I'm going to grab another one of these pre-rolls because they were just scrumptious. Give me one <laughs> second. Yeah, grab one more of those. Uh, this topic is 
uh, I guess uh, what's been floating around. What is a quad? What makes weed a quad? Yes. One of the most the magic asked questions. Question, yeah. uh, is we, always try to, we try to reserve the last topic to what we get asked the most for in the shop and what we get asked the most for on the website. And it is technically like, you know, uh, what is a quad? What is a quali- What is the classification class classification of quads? And why does the OCS not use this classification? And not everybody really, even in the legacy market, uses this classification. It's kind of, I'd say, you know, maybe only like five or six years since I've been hearing this classification. You know, like obviously our old model, which you know anybody really born in the '70s slash '80s. Um, they just want good weed. Nobody really cares whether back in the day, you know, 20 years ago, you just wanted good weed. You didn't even care if it was sativa or indica. You just wanted something uh, that... I don't think I even yeah. asked for a name no, back in the day. No one really ever did. You just had either good weed or shitty weed. <laughs> yeah, it that's, was... Yeah. That's what was around. There wasn't like, you know, uh, the, the, the multitude of strains that are out there right now because that doesn't really, you know... Okay, and, and see, this is... a. This is something that like kind of like that hits home to me because I know a few people that buy weed, mm-hmm. change the name, sell yeah, it, yeah, and then sell it and a call it a name. quad, yeah, and then yeah, of course. I mean, but that's so. The thing, are right? we all smoking quads? Are we not smoking Here, quads? Or here, what's happening out let's, there? Let's let's say long story short, what makes a quad uh, a, a quad. quad, and and what is really grading? So I mean, quad refers to the quality of the finished product. Long story short, right? Either the quality of the finished product uh, or the methodology of the growing, uh, the methodology of the growing uh, process. So uh, to me, that's a combination of those two things. You a have to have yourself a really nice either slash exotic quad. I mean, exotic strains, sorry. Uh, something that's, you know, you're not going to find so often. Something that's maybe a little harder to grow, and that's why you don't see it so often. But something that's just jam full of terps and, and, and flavor and, and, you know, uh, has very distinguishable taste and can, can, can easily just become embellished with trichomes and the entire thing looks like, you know. Okay, obviously, we're talking and hitting this point from... Uh, being in the business and in right. the industry for many, many years. Mm-hmm. But someone coming that's just starting to smoke cannabis. Okay. And starts hearing these terms being thrown around. Right. Are they buying cannabis according to names, breeders? Well, once again. Just because, oh, not to hit on cookies, great weed, but like a lot of people, you know, cookies, 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 weed, cookies, it's the best weed ever, it's the best weed ever. But are they saying it's the best weed because it's a popular weed? The name is out there? I think they're saying it's the best weed because all they smoke is OCS weed. And cookies may be the best of a bad situation. Cookies may just be the best, you know, OCS viable weed. I mean, I know that we we tried that one. I think it was BLK MRT. It's yes, called Black Market, Black Market or something like that. Yeah. Well they packaged. Had, they, it was well packaged, but... Not for nothing. They had they had really good bud. Like I mean, their bud wasn't too bad. Uh, I got flour from them once. I can't remember the strain exactly, but it was really good. But that's a rarity. That's like the one. They, they were the one in. Uh, they were the one in. Let's say five times that the the cannabis was definitely worth smoking, smoking. or at least you know. That we actually finished the joint. That we actually finished it. Yeah, usually it's you know four cups <coughs> and, and she's out. Yeah. <laughs> well, we listen. It's we've smoked a lot of pre rolls and. Yeah, coming absolutely. from like a grower and a smoker, um, 
we've smoked some really bad stuff in pre-rolls. Yeah. Smoked some really good stuff. Well, it's part of our job. Like, that's what I love about my job. You know, you know, don't don't do do what you love, right? And uh, but I yeah. I still don't refer to cannabis as a quad or anything like that. To me, it's either good weed, bad weed. To me, I think quads. I, I think people are just getting too uh, infatuated too, too with this up. term. Too caught up with the names and stuff. Yeah, yeah they're I, they're infatuated with names. Even the strains. If you look at it, I mean, there's this. Uh, oh, pardon me. There's this giant, giant, you know, pink rush in the yes. last three years. Everybody and their brother wants something pink, pink this, pink that. And you know, supply and demand. What do you have? A bunch of growers that pretty much are only growing pink pinks. strains. Right? A lot of pinks out there right now. Which is good and bad. A, it sucks for the, for the average weed smoker that kind of likes a little bit of everything because now you know the only good weed around is pink it's pink i think just the other rush. day we ended up purchasing a, a tom ford pink just for the sake of that was once again the best of what was there we weren't interested in getting any pinks all we have is pinks but and it had you know, nothing to do with the name yeah nothing to do but with the name at all that's the sad part is i wanted intentionally not to buy anything pink but it was the best cannabis there so i mean you're kind of stuck in that situation but <coughs> but not to get too far off the topic so the, the rating of the quad system in general uh and uh, I, I mean it's it's it is mostly used in the legacy market it isn't used yes. at all in the ocs market no. and i think that they do that on purpose too because realistically every every licensed producer would just call their product a, a quad, quad. and that would be the end of the story they obviously have no recourse to to the, any kind of bad product that they're, they're giving out. Um, I just sorry, I just ashed on the actual recording device here. And, uh, <laughs> it happens when it you're happens. smoking super pink. But to me, uh, to me, a quad in general, uh, a it's got to be grown properly. So I mean, whether it be hydroponically, whether it be live soil, whether it be organic, uh, cocoa whatever whatever the, the, the whatever medium, it is whatever the medium be most likely it's grown indoors and i'm saying this because i mean a lot, i know there's a lot of great outdoor and a lot of great places in the world you can grow outdoor but indoor growing you control everything the light the wind the moisture the temperature every single thing is completely under control to like and, fractions like, and and the way you really grow the bad i mean any grower will tell you the way you grow the best weed in the world is to have every have the plant want for nothing have it have light touching it on every single piece of foliage have wind blowing through every piece of foliage have you know uh, space for it to actually move around and, and space for it to grow manicured yeah manicured constantly taking care of any kind of dead leaf any kind of dead foliage temperatures gotta be spot on mm -hmm. day and night so i mean that's that's number one number one is the environment the growing process i, I agree that you know that's got to be number one number two uh the produced product obviously um a has to be flushed properly you know we've right. run into this issue so many times you see this you know flushing is huge amazing high-end looking product and uh you smoke it and and pretty much it has absolutely no flavor or the worst flavor it tastes like what we say newts or new nutrients uh usually has a little salty slash i guess uh, acidic flavor and usually fuzzy tongue usually the tongue ash burns the ash burns very 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 dark gray to black and the joint will usually go out you know you get cotton mouth mm -hmm. it, it just it, it's not a pleasurable smoke altogether. Which sucks because you wouldn't notice it in the bong until it's too late. Too late, yeah. Or a joint you can put out. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, we've run into situations like that where, you know, 
the cannabis actually looks amazing. It looks like a quote-unquote quad, but smokes terrible. So obviously that's, that's a big part of it. So obviously the growing of it. And yeah, the, the strain selection. Yeah, you do want it to be something exotic, something a little different. I mean, you can make a rock star a quad. You can make a Gorilla Glue a, cro- a quad. Any regular old strain, you can make a quad. But if you are going to go through that ridiculously adverse amount of effort to to make it grow at the absolute best, then you might as well pick a strain that you don't see that often or one that requires that extra care to even exist in the first place. Do you think quads could be grown in, like, mass amounts? Or you think quads is quads more of a small scale? Quads can be grown in mass amounts if you have the bodies. <clears throat> if you have the bodies, sure. If you have... But no. if you don't have the bodies, yeah, it all comes down to bodies per plant. Goes up. I'd say if you want quads, uh, you would need, I'd say, you know, I would say like for every 12 plants, you'd need a guy to basically just kind of, you know, I wouldn't which say every 12 you're plants. you introducing extra costs at the end of it all too. Pretty much. The product is going to be a lot more. But, and most of the time, quads are never grown more than 100 plants at a time. time. Quads, once again. The whole plant isn't like if you're if your idea is to grow quads with 100 plants so what you're really doing is you're growing 100 plants uh without cropping without without topping without anything you're basically creating that one massive cola that all the nutrients in the plant are going to you're, you're sacrificing volume for the sake of quality at that quality. point so like that's how you really to me my definition of growing a quad is having like the exact, every, once again, all the temperature, all the environment, perfect. The light, perfect. I mean, having a CMH bulb for a low K lighting, having uh, an HPS for high K lighting or for, for warm colors, you know, having everything in the light spectrum, having the, the wind going, having CO2 <coughs> in there, emulating everything you possibly can about nature times 10. And, and but- Professor, I volume. really hate to do this to you, my friend. Um, we're running uh, overtime. Oh, yeah. So a quick, quick uh, recap on what you call a quad in three words. In three words? Well, I can't fucking three <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm going to do it in three words. Okay, long three story words. short, quads are A, something that you have to have the perfect environment to grow in. Uh, B, uh, have to be hand trimmed, have to be cured properly, completely, have to be cured over a long period of time. And uh, C, have to be constantly storage properly, uh, stored with uh, either a Movita pack or any kind of two-way humidity pack, something to maintain its structure and not become powder. And yeah, I'd say that would be the top three things to remember about quads. You know, quads, there's no str- there's no strain you can buy that will give you a quad. There's no st- seed you can buy that will automatically make it a quad. You know, you have nutrients to don't make them quads. Nutrients don't make them quads, but the constant care and the proper use of nutrients and the proper well. use of everything else can help you make a quad. And then also you got Mother Nature, right? Mother Nature sometimes, no matter how good you're doing. Every grower knows this, no matter how good you're doing, Mother Nature can easily come in there and be like, nah, no, I don't like this. No, it's not going to happen. But listen, it was wonderful uh, having you guys listening, and I hope you guys join us uh, next week on the Canisewers Podcast Podcast. Absolutely. This is Mayhem. I'm out. This is Professor X saying goodbye as well. Have a wonderful weekend. Stay smoky. Weed, liquor, ice, and bogey are the ingredients. Yeah, hard-headed with no obedience. Them niggas ain't loyal, so why you feeding them?
I preceded him, knew you never needed him. That OG Kush got me feeling like it's helium. Used to move work on bikes, I couldn't wheel him. If I couldn't afford no peas, I'd be stealing them. Old school gazelle frames, Cartier champagne. Cause they sent it to the crib with mad.